Hey everybody, this is Cole Fakes from So We Speak, and I'm here with Terry Fakes. We're doing a little bonus episode. I just loved a couple of weeks ago getting to give a few resource recommendations. And I think one of the things that uh, is is helpful is a few weeks ago, we did a podcast on personal holiness. We did it from Colorado, talking about, you know, just the importance of uh, not forgetting and talking about theology or getting, you know, absorbed in the things that are going on in, in the world today. To step back and say a lot of the things that we're dealing with are a result of um, lack of personal holiness, both in right. the church and outside of the church. And anyway, I've thought about that topic a lot since we discussed it, and we'll link to it in the notes for this podcast. But I want to return to that just to talk about a few of the resources and, and tactics that you've used and uh, that I've used to bring our minds back to personal holiness and even ways that um, you can get into a group, whether it's through accountability or um, just with other like-minded believers to focus on becoming more like Christ. So what have you found helpful uh, as a resource for personal holiness in your own life? Well, that's a great question. And recently, as I mentioned in the earlier podcast, I've been focused on that, not because of a crisis or a big issue, but more just that ongoing, keep it front of mind that I, I do my Bible reading every day. I've prayer life, but there's also the sense of obedience, and particularly obedience in the little things. You know, disobedience in the little things leads to large problems, and obedience in the little things leads to uh, God's trust in trusting us and using us in, in bigger ways. And so I just always want to stay focused on obedience in the in the small things. And so I've got a, a few things going that might be of help to people. One is just for me. And that is when I finish my Bible reading, I don't read devotionals first. They're always the last thing I might read, but I'll read my Bible. I'll journal, you know, think some thoughts about that. But one book that I keep coming back to is called The Valley of Vision. And when I'm finished with my Bible reading, I tend to read one of these prayers. It is a collection of Puritan prayers. And it's a, a whole host of 1600s and 1700s Puritans from that era, very devout. And this is a collection of their prayers. And so I will read one of the prayers. And they are cut to the heart kind of prayers. They're sometimes prayers of confession. They're prayers of praise. And these are other people's prayers. They're not inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they really can resonate and speak to me and speak for me. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing that I might see if you've had this same experience, in addition to just preparing my heart in, in softening my heart and shaping my affections, if you will, I also learned that even though we don't do rote prayers, you know, we don't read prayers particularly, we pray in a more personal way, reading other people's heartfelt prayers helps train me to pray. Have you experienced yeah. that? Well, I, I think Valley of Vision has been one of my favorite standbys for years. I I, th I think probably Jake McGee was the first person that ever told me about the Valley of Vision. So wow. uh, we don't we don't shout out to Jake McGee enough on the podcast. But <laughs> I think when we were working at Canicuck, he first introduced me to this. And it was something that really helped us to learn to pray out loud together. And a lot of people really struggle with this. If you have uh, people in a group that you're in, sometimes it's difficult to get going just praying together, not not even just praying for requests, but just um, praying. And Valley of Vision is, is like a swing coach for your prayer life. I mean, even professionals yes. uh, have swing coaches. And I, that's kind of how I view the Valley of Vision. These prayers are so rich. They are so devout. 
Um, it's a it's a collection of of Puritan prayers. So you have some from Spurgeon in there, um, Owen, you know, a lot of the greats uh, in in the Puritan tradition. And I've just felt over the years, it's it's even if it's not the only thing you pray, it's a great way to get you going to mm-hmm. stir your heart and mind to make sure that uh, you don't pray the same things over and over and over again. It's stretching. And uh, actually, one of the best gifts I've gotten right after our wedding, you gave us a copy of the Valley of Vision that has a nice leather bound cover on it, which is a splurge, but man, it is worth it when you're going to use it every day and and carry it. It is, that's a great, great thing to have. So it's been huge in my spiritual life. Well, I also have the privilege to be part of a couple of small groups of men, obviously men in my case, and the same thing can be said for women and the same, by the way, these same resources can be used. It doesn't really matter, but a small group of men who are like-minded in that wanting to be obedient in the little things and wanting to continue our, our following of Christ. And so we pray together we confess together. I mean, they're more intimate prayers. What's really happening in my life? What are the things that are tempting me? What are the challenges in my life? And so I have two different things I want to mention that I'm using with uh, two different groups of guys, again, that I have the privilege of, of getting to be discipled with. The first is from World War II era, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You may remember he's the Lutheran pastor in World War II who struggles uh, with the Lutheran church's acquiescence to Adolf Hitler. And he wrote several things, and you may know his story of ultimately being executed in, uh, I believe he was in Auschwitz. But in any case, he was executed by the Nazis. But he wrote a book, he wrote several, but this book called The Cost of Discipleship. And I know that you've used it and gone through it before, but it is really him coming face to face with what he calls cheap grace, kind of the go along, get along faith versus the faith that demands that you take up your cross and follow me. And so I've just been going chapter by chapter through that each week and discussing its applicability to our lives. But I found that Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, his situation forced him into real obedience in big and small ways. Yeah, I'll give you one that I've used over time. I've come back to personally, and then one that I think is great for a group, especially a group of guys to go through. The first one is Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges. Mm. If you want to step back, and I think this is really healthy to do from time to time, and just do an inventory of your own life, um, the areas where maybe you have overlooked things in your own heart. Um, Respectable Sins is... (laughs) It's a really hard book to read because it will pin you down on a lot of things that that uh, you've neglected. Um, right. You know, I, just, I even the first it's it's the first couple of chapters he talks about ungodliness as basically living your life as if you don't need God, and that's something we can all be reminded of because we are constantly struggling with ungodliness. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes from there. The, the, these are the sins that don't get preached about in the pulpit. They're not the egregious ones, but they're they're the things that we've got to root out in the Christian life. The other one I, with with men, I've always loved to go through dis- disciplines of a godly man. It's by Kent Hughes, mm-hmm. and it is just your classic. Here's what God says it means to be a godly man. It's a great book for discussion. It's great to read with somebody to uh, kick off discussion, kick off accountability together, and uh, it's one that if you really put some time in, it will give you a great vision of what it means to be a godly man. That's certainly something that we could recover today. Our, uh, there are a lot of forces in the church, but also in our uh, secular society 
that are really blurring the lines of what does it mean to be a man in general, and then what does it mean to be God's man? And uh, mm-hmm. you're right, that book biblically really lays out what does it look like to be God's man? Right. Well, the final one that I have, I'm going way back again to the 1600s to one of those Puritans. Uh, his name is John Owen. And um, I'm also at the same time reading a biography of John Owen because he was a contemporary of Oliver Cromwell, if you remember that time in England's history. It's just an interesting time in history. But as a man of faith, he wrote a book, he wrote several, but again, he wrote a little book called The Mortification of Sin. And it's uh, there is a modern version, modern English version, otherwise you're getting kind of you're not getting 1600 spelling, but you're getting the way they spoke in the 1600s. And I actually prefer that. It makes me slow down and read it a little more carefully. So for example, we wouldn't say the mortification of sin. Today, we would say putting sin to death in your life, mm-hmm. you know, rooting sin out of your life. But as I read that, it is so powerful. Here's one of the great quotes that uh, you may or may not realize came from him is, be putting sin to death, or it will be putting you to death. You know, you sh- you have to be killing sin or it will be killing you, I think is exactly the way he says it. Mm-hmm. This book is just an investigation into the nature of sin, the fact that we're all going to be tempted to sin, and how should we go about combating sin in our life and putting sin to death. It has been uh, a 400-year gap, and you realize that my human nature is the same as his was 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these resources are just things that we've returned to. Some of them, I think, are good with groups and some, you know, as a supplement to your quiet time, not a replacement, but as a supplement. But it recenters our mind on the topic of personal holiness, which is not a popular topic in in today's world. And even in parts of the church, it's difficult to talk about holiness because holiness is tough and it's controversial and it's not popular, but it is a necessary part of every Christian life. It seems to me uh, in Mark chapter eight, Luke chapter nine, you see the same saying of Jesus, but basically if we take it seriously, when Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And that doesn't mean it's a life of misery, but what it means is that there are things in our life that are going to have to be put to death. And sin is one of those things. And if we really want to follow him, then by all means, let's, let's get after it. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.